electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, to teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now, look, if you only learned one thing from the pandemic, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that betting against the end of the world is a sucker's game. The next time you think the world is ending, you have to assume that it isn't. I want you to take the other side of the trade. I want you to bet against the end of the world. Now, on the anniversary of the worst part of the COVID-19 crash, we got to think about something. We have to think about how this market managed to surge to new highs. Even if it only dipped this afternoon, Dow slipping 128 points, S&P declining 0.16%, NASDAQ edging up 0.09%, tech-heavy NASDAQ, excuse me. We know it is easy to succumb to panic, which is what happened on March 16th last year when the Dow dropped nearly 3,000 points and the S&P gave up 12%, not in a year, not in a month, but in a day. The house of pain. Closing the day down 30% from the 2020 highs. Do you know that only nine names in the S&P finished in the green that hard day? Nine out of 500. 500 in the S&P. Now, don't I know it? I was as freaked out as anyone else. I'd spent the previous month screaming at the top of my lungs about the dangers of the pandemic. A lot of people felt I'd been chicken little. I was saying how it could destroy whole industries and the government was doing nothing. They know nothing. I want you to look at this clip from the end of the show one year ago. I tried to be constructive this evening, but I want to be sure you understand my view. Okay, not only not out of the woods, but man, if you're in travel, you're in leisure, uh, entertainment, restaurants, okay, hotels, aerospace, bad. All right, bad. I don't. I don't have anything good to say. I. I have anything good to say since the Super Bowl, and I redouble my not having good to say. Redouble not anything good to say. Now the question is, was that a misread of the situation? Absolutely not. If anything, it was the opposite. 
See, I was pleading with policymakers to do something, to think big, because this was a major horrendous crisis. And we didn't have time for the usual partisan bickering. I wanted action. The time had come to part the waters, and the waters had to be parted by the president, the treasury secretary, the speaker of the house, the Senate majority leader, and most important, the Federal Reserve. What's amazing is that the seeds for the turnaround were actually planted in that same 24-hour news cycle. The previous night, Fed Chief Jay Powell took to the airwaves and called for a full 1% rate cut. A huge round of bond buying. Buy, 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 buy! A slash in the discount window so desperate uh, banks could get capital, all of them. And a coordinated action by central banks all over the world to fight the collapse in economic activity. These were all huge positives. So we got to ask ourselves, wait a second. Why did the market flip out and crash the next day? Because Wall Street listened to a special Sunday edition of J-PAL and jumped to the conclusion that things must be much worse than they looked. Otherwise, why make such drastic moves? In retrospect, the market was remarkably dumb. See, it, it also, and this was another one. Do you know that we got two big pauses that day that were completely overlooked? They were, they were asterisks, even as they held the metaphorical keys to finding the bottom. First, analysts learned that Tesla would have plenty of capital on hand, and the company would be able to make the numbers despite the production shutdowns. That news shocked the skeptics and caught the attention of what's most important, a new generation of less jaundiced investors, individual investors, who are about to get stimulus checks, and put their money where their mouth is. Similarly, a little biotech outfit, it's called Moderna. It announced that their vaccine candidate had blocked the virus. Big trial? One patient. Stock soared 24%. Over the next few days, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin worked with Congress to put together a massive stimulus package, much larger than anyone could have dreamed. Market went up and down and up and down, depending on every single news headline. But it shouldn't have, because it was clear we were going to get a package still. Even after that, the market remained skeptical. You know, we didn't actually bottom until a week later when Congress passed the Gargantuan $2 trillion aid package and Chairman Powell went on the Today Show warning people not to bet against the Fed. His key line, we're not going to run out of ammunition. That doesn't happen. And you know what? That was it. Today Show. Ever since this market's run up practically in a straight line, as it became clear that Powell wasn't kidding, he even went so far as implicitly backstopping corporate bonds so that troubled companies could keep borrowing money and wouldn't go under. Now, Wall Street stayed skeptical, though, as many high-profile hedge fund managers roiled the market with their own negativity. But when individuals got those stimulus checks from the government, the craziest thing happened. Lots of those people opened accounts at Robinhood or other commission-free brokers, and they went to work doing one thing pretty much and one thing only. They were buying what the hedge funds were selling. Now, I've done a lot of work on that period, including talking to the trading desks and the people behind the scenes at the largest companies that were involved in brokerage. And these legions of new buyers, they went for what a lot of people felt were the most dangerous stocks imaginable. They just sat there every morning. Some of them started at 4.35 a.m. and they bought the cruise lines. They bought the airlines. They bought the stuff that I talked about was super dangerous. And, of course, they bought Tesla. Their buying was relentless. At the time, it did seem foolish, especially since the so-called smart money was still betting on the end of the world. The rest, though, is history. The government more or less did its job, putting a floor in the economy. But more important, the scientists really delivered. That Moderna vaccine that stopped one, one person's 
COVID a year ago, one person from being infected. Turns out it worked for millions, along with a similar two-shot combo from Pfizer. Moderna is now working on a pediatric trial to protect the last group that's still at risk that the FDA hasn't allowed any protection for its children. Remember, this was never a financial crisis. It was always a public health crisis. You keep the economy on life support until the pandemic is solved. You get to the promised land. That's what the, that's what a week ago last what the week was last year. That's what it was about. Of course, there is a ton of cosmic irony. I mean, you know what? Look at this. This is uh, uh, today's Wall Street Journal front page. And it, it does make me nervous. I've got to tell you that. Uh, it makes me blanch more like it. It's the exact opposite of what they printed a year ago. Lead story. Air travel showing signs of turning a corner. Spinal travel is finally coming back. Here's another one. Banks eye cash reserves for profits. This is the single most positive piece the Wall Street Journal has ever published about the financials in ages. Look out. Or how about this one? Housing boom is different. It's a story that explains how the current boom is fueled by home buyers putting down big wads of cash. Not at all like the 2000s when it was all financed by debt. Then, if you want some levity, we got it. Tesla crowns its new techno king about uh, Elon Musk giving himself an absurd new title. He actually felt compelled to file with the SEC to make it official. Um, we can laugh now, but if he'd done that a year ago, his shareholder base would have had a panic attack. So when it looks like the world's ending, you have to bet that it won't end. But there is a flip side to the argument. Sometimes you get moments that are too good to be true. If Jay Powell saw a depression coming and decided to head it off, maybe one day he'll see an overheated economy coming in and he'll head that off by slamming on the brakes. Now, I doubt that's happening anytime soon. Uh, but he's been adamant that he won't tighten it until he really sees uh, he's, he's not going to tighten the first sign of inflation. The Fed has done that a lot of times and it's failed. Plus, Powell's been much more dovish since his rate hikes almost destroyed the economy at the end of 2018. Boy, he ever learned his lesson. Here's the bottom line. Well, you know what? Your lesson is clear. When our policymakers actually learn from the past and our scientists work their magic, then the darkest moment really is just before the dawn. And the light at the end of the tunnel is genuine sun. Not that of an oncoming train. I need to go to Raymond in California. Raymond. Hey, Jim Boy, Booyah. This is Ramon from Pacoima in California. Tell the truth. Yeah. What do you got going? I first like to thank you for uh, doing everything that you do to help us investors in this big pond we call investing. Well, thank you. My, my, question, my question is on Funko, ticker symbol FNKO, Jim. Seeing that the stock in the beginning of last year reached its 52-week low of 312, ever since then it's been on a tear uh, with its latest earnings beating, uh, and it gave gave a 52-week high of almost 20. Right. Tim, do you think this stock could double? Look, triple? the numbers. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, a JP Morgan boost turned this thing on, but more importantly, let me tell you something. It does have a $20 price chart. Let me tell you what I think happened here. There were a lot of shorts, and when you got a lot of shorts, well, guess what goes on? Funko, GME, you get the picture. Holly in New York. Holly. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course, Holly. Um, How you been? I bought, uh, very good, thank you, but I need a little help. All right. Um, I bought wor- uh, Workhorse um, on the way up. Um, and on the largest uh, pullback year-to-date um, uh, the market had, yeah. uh, the news came out that uh, United Postal Service gave uh, the contract to another company other than Workhorse. I know. In addition, yeah, terrible. And in addition, um, 
there's now a class uh, action lawsuit being filed against Workhorse. My question to you is, do I buy into the week? No, Holly, that was a big, that they didn't get that contract was very big, and I don't think that's going to be reversed. The most important thing that Workhorse, which I now regard as a show horse, has got, it has a 25% short position. So in any good news, it can rally. I just don't know what the good news will be, and that's why I invite Dwayne Hughes to come on the show and tell us why they didn't win the contract and how maybe they can get it back. Okay, it's been a tough year, but betting on the end of the world is a mugs game. On Mad Money Tonight, as the vaccine rollout continues and more economies start to reopen, could a company like Dow be well-positioned in this market? Yeah, the giant chemical company. I'm going to talk with the CEO. Then, despite what David Faber might tell you yesterday, I was lucky enough to become the first journalist anywhere to ride in a lucent air. I'm going to tell you all about the experience and whether it bodes well for the stock when I sit down with the CEO and wear your seatbelt in the back next time. And high-end retailers have been riding higher since the late 2020. Could they stay in fashion in this market? I'm going off the charts to find out. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. A year ago, today, as I said at the top of the show, we experienced the worst decline in the history of the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P as the last holdouts finally freaked out about COVID. That night, we spoke to Jim Fitterling, the CEO of Dow Inc. That's the giant chemical company. Even though his stock was down 60% year-to-date, double the S&P, he told a very optimistic story about the resilience of Dow's business and its ability to generate cash, even in a tough environment. Enough cash to pay the dividend, which was an incredible 12%. He put his money where his mouth is and just bought nearly $2 million from Dow stock personally. I sure hope you're watching because that was exact bottom for the stock. Since then, it's nearly triple, and I think the future is still bright. So let's check in with Jim Fiddling, the chairman and CEO of Dow, Inc., to get a better read on where his company's headed after the very bullish presentation at the J.P. Morgan Industrial Conference just this morning. Mr. Fiddling, welcome back to Mad Money. 
Jim, good to be here, and congratulations on 16 years of mad money. Oh, thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. Well, I want to congratulate you on coming out. One of the reasons why we have a show, and it's been going, is because we have people like you come on. When everyone else is uh, just saying it's, it's the darkest day ever, Dow going to cut the dividend, you came on our show, and you said, look, I'll just tell you. I'm buying nearly $2 million worth of stock. How did you know when all these great Wall Street guys seem to be confused? Well, I've got a team that knows how to execute. And so we've got a a pretty good eye on what is happening in the global economy. And we felt good about where things were going. We didn't feel good about where we were at the time, but we also felt that we were significantly undervalued and things were not as bad as, as they were going to be portrayed in the market. And we'd seen China start to come back from the pandemic at that point and get it under control. And now we're starting to see that rebound in the United States. Third quarter and fourth quarter were strong and we finished the year strong. More than 14.6 billion of cash and committed liquidity paid down $2.6 billion of debt, kept our costs under control, supported that dividend. And we're we're back to pre-COVID levels now, even without the industrial economy really coming back yet or without the service sector coming back yet. Well, I am glad you mentioned the last because I get a little confused at J.P. Morgan Conference. Look at this. Here's a guy. Uh, he says on March 8th, trough to peak. Oh, well, thank you, because we know we're supposed to sell at peak. Then today, the cat is out of the bag. Oh, I see. Everybody knows it's good, so therefore it's bad. I, I look at it and I think you're huge in housing. You're huge in auto. We did have a storm that actually benefited you, but the parts of the U.S. economy that are just beginning to be on fire or have been on fire are Dow parts of the, of the economy. They are. They're, look, 25% of what we sell goes into housing and housing-related purchases. That's up double digits. Uh, even home resales are up double digits here in the United States. I think that looks strong. Uh, we don't yet have the industrial economy back yet. But look at autos year over year are strong. The trend towards EVs is very positive. Alternative energy, which we sell a lot into, is very strong. Packaging has held up tremendously. Look at the amount of e-commerce business in China. China has hit 50% retail sales through e-commerce. You know the amount of packaging and adhesives that we use to go into that e-commerce shipments is a big driver of growth for us. So I feel good. I think as we get people vaccinated, As we get people traveling again, as the service sector comes back, there's another leg up on this. And I still feel like the industrial economy, which really cramped down on CapEx last year, still is coming back, but it's gradual. They haven't really come back in a big way. We're seeing some big announcements on EVs. We're seeing some big announcements on alternative energy, on semiconductor chips. But we're going to have more big announcements that are come through this year And that's going to portend well for the back half of the year and into 2022. Yeah, people should know you are. uh, This is a Dow chemical that when you think of EV, you should think of this company. When you think of semiconductors, you should be thinking about this company and packaging. You should be starting to think about Affinity RE, packaging business recently launched its sustainable hot melt adhesive uh, uh, polyethylene uh, (laughs) elastomer. I mean, I know it's complicated, but it's your stuff. Well, there you go. Well, when you go out into the garage and take apart all those Amazon boxes or the other packaging you get uh, e-commerce shipments in, and you see that adhesive that that holds those together, that's a hot melt adhesive, and that's a a high-growth space for us. So more of that packaging drives that. But the nice thing about Affinity RE 
is that is made with more of a bio-based material. It's 40% lower carbon footprint than the alternative. And that's a big driver of growth for us. Um, alternative uh, sustainability is a big driver of growth for Dow, and I think it's a huge opportunity for us to accelerate growth in the future. Uh, one last question. You have been consistent all along that you were going to deal with what a lot of people felt was the black hole of Sidara, this huge plant that we we're always hoping to make so much money, uh, but you've had to deal with time and time again, but you, ne- you always persisted. Are we where it can be, uh, it can be cash flow neutral or even cash flow positive given the strength in your things? We've been successful to get Sadara refinanced. Uh, Sadara was positive uh, equity earnings in the fourth quarter, and it looks like it's going to be that way in the first quarter. It's been running well. And, of course, it's benefited from the growth in Asia and the fast recovery from COVID. So we're, we're in a position where we feel it's cash flow self-sustainable. That's a $350 million a year tailwind for us from a cash perspective. And I think we've uh, turned the corner. Well, Jim, you know, I got to be thinking about uh, last year when you're on 12 percent dividend. People are talking about you having that. I got to start thinking about you boosting the dividend, buying back stock. Your stock's too cheap, still has a good yield. Are these things in the cards are they, or am I just too hopeful? Well, first things first, I need to get CapEx back up. I've got right. some organic growth investments to capture some of that growth. And so we've moved CapEx up $350 million this year. And I want to make sure that we sustainably grow into that dividend and support it long term. That's a very good dividend, but I also need to grow the top line and the bottom line for our shareholders. Well, uh, you have done great for your shareholders, and I hope you brought a lot of new ones in. Very few people came in at the absolute depths and said, you know what? This is a great time to buy my stock. And you were probably the most prominent. Thank you one year later for coming on with those great numbers. Jim Fitterling, chairman and CEO of Dow Chemical. Always good to see you. Stay safe, Jim. It's still not expensive, people. You see all these flying cyclicals? How about one that's inexpensive with a dividend, not others that we hope will come back? Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, could Kramer give you the green light to invest in a SPAC name? The CEO of Lucid Motors hops in the driver's seat for an exclusive interview just ahead. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's match engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look, I've been warning about the SPAC attack for months, especially in the electric vehicle space. But some of these SPAC names are actually worth buying in weakness. Take Churchill Capital 4. That's the special purpose acquisition vehicle that's merging with Lucid Motors. That's an up-and-coming Tesla rival. 
that plans to start producing its gorgeous cars in the second half of the year. This one's got two things going for it. Lucid Motors is a legitimate company that will soon have an actual product to sell. I saw it for myself yesterday and was wowed. Plus, Churchill Capital stock has come down a lot. It, it, it surged to around 65 before we knew the terms of the deal. Then it got cut in half over the next couple of days when the reality couldn't keep up with Wall Street's irrational exuberance that was stoked by inaccurate news stories about the company's intentions. I think the stock's very enticing at these levels. Do not take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Peter Rawlinson, the CEO and Chief Technical Officer of Lucid Motors, find out where this story's headed. Mr. Rawlinson, welcome back to Mad Money. Great to be with you, Jim. All right, so Peter, I took a ride in your car yesterday in the Lucid Air, and I echo many people when I say, how can I get one? When can I get one? Because this is the most exciting technology delivery machine I have come across in years. Thank you so much. And we're nearly sold out of Dream Edition. We've just got a few... Uh, reservations left, uh, and our run of 500 is very nearly sold out, and we've got a very large proportion of our pre-orders for the the following uh, Grand Touring version, and our order book is filling very nicely. So, so roll up, or you'll miss out on Dream Edition. Well, look, I got to tell you, I'm not sure exactly what speed I went. And, oh, and how we slowed down and spun around. Maybe just tell us how quickly, because I think one of the things that's important is we either think you get long-range performance uh, or you, you, know, you get uh, some sort of technology that does not offer that. You know, uh, we often have batteries that go long and the performance is awful. Which, you got them both, right? That's what I saw yesterday. Indeed, Jim. And we've got this unique fusion, this blend of performance and range. And we achieve that through our in-house technology All the technology that underpins the car, the drivetrain technology, a battery pack, a motor, transmission, inverter, and the wonder box and the software that glues all that together. That's all in-house. It's all proprietary. And we have incredible efficiency. And that gives performance and range. You're talking about a quick zero to 60 as well as projected range that's much longer than a a large-scale rival? Indeed, and versions of Lucid Air will achieve over 500 miles range on an estimated EPA cycle. Now, I I know that you said you're almost sold out of everything. If I were to pay $170,000 for a Lucid Air, when would I be able to get mine in 2020? 2020, We're starting production from our purpose-built EV plant in Casa Grande in Arizona in the second half of 21. So very soon now. Now, I think it's important just in terms of being in our great country. There are a lot of factories that get built. And maybe there's 200 people in them. Uh, there's almost new, no new greenfield factories that put people to work. Tell us about your plant in Arizona. I'm so excited about it because we've got a great team of associates working there. We're giving them high tech, great jobs in a great working environment. And we're bringing jobs and employment in high-tech auto industry to the state of Arizona. Um, We've already got several hundred people employed. We'll bring on uh, a second and a third shift as we progress through 2022. And we're already planning for our phase two of that plant, the expansion, which we'll implement in 2023, which will take us to a capacity of over 85,000 units per annum when we bring in the SUV Project Gravity, um, hopefully in Q3 of 23. 
I think it's important for people to understand that unlike a competitor that a lot of people worried about for years and years, the money that you have right now will get you to that expansion that you're talking about. Indeed, this is an amazing outcome from a from our merger process with Churchill Capital, uh, we secured $4.5 billion through both the SPAC and the pipe with an unprecedented array of blue chip investors. And that really secures the future of Lucid. And, and, and I mean, this is very interesting because that competitor was only able to secure several hundred million at IPO. And it meant that it had to really look for fresh injections of capital many times. And with this capital, we secure our future well into 2023. We can implement phase two of the factory in Arizona. We can add, you know, more than two and a half thousand hourly and salaried manufacturing employees. We can bring all four trim levels of Lucid Air into production. And we can get Project Gravity well along the path to production with prototypes built and a lot of testing under our belt. And then there's the sales and service and R&D activities that we have got a very clear runway with the security of funding. We're in a very, very healthy position. You and I both know that the uh, internal combustion engine is is a dinosaur. Uh, you also know that you and I know that the demand for cars like Lucid are big. Let's say an Apple were to come in. Would, would Lucid have problems selling cars if the great Apple came in? Well, there's, a, there's always room for, for new entries. Uh, and, 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 and don't let's underestimate the market because this isn't a market for EVs. There's no such thing as an EV market. This is a market for cars and EVs will penetrate and uh, completely uh, fill that that market, that world market for cars. So I'd welcome the competition from a company like Apple. But ultimately, you know, this is a technology race. Tesla recognizes that and Lucid recognizes that. And I think that's what differentiates. So many of the traditional car companies, they buy parts off the shelf. They take a commoditized right. approach to this. Lucid doesn't. It's all in-house, all in-house developed, designed, engineered, and manufactured vertically integrate your core IP. Only Tesla does that today. Right. Well, then I was privileged to be one of the first people to ever ride in one. And it was the most, I would say probably the most exciting thing he's had me in many, many years. Peter Rawlinson, it's a joy to have you. CEO and CTO of Lucid Motors. Really good to have you on the show, sir. Delight to be here, Jim. Thank you so much. What can I say? All right. I called it maybe the next Tesla. A lot of people criticized me on uh, Twitter. You know what? I'll reiterate. It could be the next Tesla. You may have unexpected for the break. Coming up, has the death of retail been greatly exaggerated? A sector that's been hanging by a thread may yet be worth a stitch in time. Kramer knocks his socks off. Next. After a counter-trend day, when the red-hot reopening stocks just got marked down, in some cases crushed, while the recent losers actually regained some footing. I think this is the perfect time to circle back to some of the high-end retailers that have been up, let's just say they've had huge gains in the last five months and maybe getting a chance to buy them. 
A year ago, as the whole world went into lockdown, it felt like we were dealing with retail Armageddon. And look, COVID wiped out a ton of brick-and-mortar outfits. 2020 was the biggest year of retail failures in history. Tons of iconic brands left for dead. The essential stores, well, they made out like bandits. Everybody else got crushed. But a funny thing happened on the way to the retail apocalypse. The second-tier non-essential franchises with deeper pockets did manage to survive the worst part of the pandemic. And once we started getting good news about potential vaccine candidates, their stocks exploded into the stratosphere. Macy's, Nordstrom, Tapestry, they're up more than 100% since we began to round the corner in early November. By the way, a lot of these companies were given up for dead. So now we're in a new world. After Rocky Start, we got one of the best, one of the best vaccine rollouts on Earth. We're doing 2.4 million shots per day now. No more complaints. New infections and new deaths are both down big from their highs. Many states are starting to fully reopen. If anything, I wish they'd show actually a little more patience. And of course, I always want more shots and I also want more tests, but I want to gripe forever. Still, we can finally see the light at the end of the COVID tunnel. And that's happening uh, right as Washington's latest $2 trillion stimulus package kicks in. People are already getting their checks. We know from last time that much of that money will be spent. And not all on stocks. Put it all together, and you know what? you got a terrific situation for the high-end retailers. Unfortunately, that's not exactly news. Everybody saw this one coming, which is why their stocks have spent the last few months rocketing into the stratosphere. So I think we got to ask ourselves, have we missed the move? Or is it possible that the luxury retail names have more room to run? Only way to find this out is to go off the charts. So to, the, to do that, we're going to Bob Lang. He's the founder of ExplosiveOptions.net, as well as being the brilliant technician in the all-star duo behind the Street.com's Trifecta Stocks newsletter. And he's author of Know Your Options. So let's focus on four of them that a lot of you have asked me about. Three of them, then one is kind of a wild card. Capri, uh, which, by the way, that's how they pronounce it over there. Capri Holdings, Tapestry, Louis Vuitton. And Nordstrom. Now, they've all had enormous gains, but when Lang looks at the action here, he sees more upside. So let's start with Capri Holdings. That's the house of brands formerly known as Michael Kors, although they also own Jimmy Choo and Versace, very big in China. Lang points out that the stock recently broke out on very high turnover. So you can see, look at this thing. Will you look at this? Uh, and, and that means you got a lot of institutional sponsorship when you see this kind of buying here. Uh, When you look at the relative strength index, RSI, that's an important momentum indicator. Well, Capri's in very overbought territory. Should we worry? Well, I don't know. Let's look at the check in money flow. That shows you whether big institutional money managers are still buying and selling or, or buying or selling. And look at this. It is sky high. That's the CMF we like so much. So Capri has the best momentum of any retail stock since the 2020 election. It's currently trading at 55 and change. Its old 2018 highs are in the 70s. Lag thinks this is the kind of stock that gets overbought. But instead of being fearful, he says it stays overbought, meaning he sees that it could revisit the old highs. That would be astonishing given the fact that so many people had given up on these guys who thought they spent too much money at Versace or, uh, frankly, just kind of felt that brick and mortar. All right, how about the daily chart of Tapestry, which is the artist formerly known as Coach? Now, this is very similar to Capri. You got a massive run fueled by a series of higher highs and higher lows, and that's exactly what every chartist loves to see. Remember, I don't like when it goes parabolic. I like it when it does this kind of move. Right now, Tapestry's up 44% year-to-date, to the point where it's only a few bucks, about, oh, about 10 bucks away from its 2018 highs. Meanwhile, the chicken money flow? Oh, look at this thing. It's incredibly strong. Money's just piling in here. When the stock pulled back to its 50-day moving average back in January, that was your chance. 
these chances do happen, uh, opportunity, but then it knocked very quickly. Uh, Lang thinks Tapestry's a quiet leader with more room to run, part because the moving average convergence divergence, and that's called the MACD, recently made this bullish crossover that we love right here, black over red, okay? Uh, and this one is the most reliable pattern in the book. I don't want to see this thing go back down. I don't. What can I tell you? I mean, he's pretty more, he's more bullish in tapestry than I am. But I've seen him on air. I mean, not on our show, unfortunately. That can change. All right. Now, next up is one that you probably don't focus about unless uh, you, you uh, go to the store and see how much everything costs. And this is Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy. Uh, the last two are more liquor than, uh, you know. But it, look, it, it means French. In, in French, it means luxury. It means expensive in French, like Trey Cher. Yeah. Let him eat gateau. That's what she said to Marie Antoinette. Some gateau. Anyway, I was almost surprised when they acquired Tiffany because the rest of the business makes Tiffany look cheap by comparison. Stocks are making new highs. I mean, look at this. Can you look at this? It's one of Europe's best performers. It's giving you a 50% gain since we started getting good on the vaccine front. So far in 2021, Lang points out that LVMUY spent the first couple of months just trading sideways, doing nothing, doing nothing, doing nothing. That's called building a base, which then creates a coiled spring situation. So now the stock's making a bold move higher. Meanwhile, let's go, let's go MACD. Let's go all over the MACD. Look at this. Bullish crossover right here. Okay? Checking money flow? Oh, man, it's about as positive as it gets, right? Huge institutional buying. Lang's betting the big boys are not done. And a lot of people want a European stock. Oh, I think we found one. I like Banco Santander, too, but this one is, wow. All right, now, finally, let's go over one that a lot of people felt really was a candidate to just well, let's just say go into oblivion, and that's Nordstrom. Last October, this high-end department store was fighting for its life. Look at this fight for its life right here. I mean, this thing was the total Toto. That's turn off the oxygen, Toto, not the dog. It is tough to keep a department store afloat during a pandemic. I mean, you want to go there? However, the moment we got bullish clinical trial data from Pfizer and then Moderna, the stock exploded higher. The darn thing tripled over the next two months. A lot of people were left behind in that. And there were a lot of uh, Wall Street bet diamond hands that got in there, I'm sure. As the Nordstrom rally got rolling in December, the chart gave you what's known as a golden cross. This isn't just any cross. This is a golden cross. Short-term 50-day moving average. It goes above the long-term 200-day moving average. All right. Golden cross. Technicians love it. Then in January, Nordstrom started trading sideways. Uh, So now we figure it's done, right? Uh, No, it's digesting. Now, let's make it another move. Remember, I don't like stocks that go like this. I like stocks that digest, stair-step, and then go higher. Lang points out that the MACD is flashing even after this run right here, that it's going to go higher. Now, it doesn't hurt the last quarter. came in better than expected. At the moment, Nordstrom's perched near its 2020 highs, but Lang's betting it could make a run at its 2018 peak. Do you know that that is 50% higher from here? Man, that would be incredible. I'm going to have to go to the store, see what's going on. The bottom line, sure, the non-essential high-end retailers have already run. But the charts as interpreted by our own Bob Lang suggest that Capri Holdings, Tapestry, LVMH, and Nordstrom could all have more upside here, thanks, yes, to the stimulus checks. This whole group was running out of gas a couple of weeks ago. Then Congress agreed to pump $2 trillion in. And now they're looking at another leg higher. Nordstrom. Ugh. This one kills me. How could I have not seen that coming? Stay with Kramer. Just chill out. Chill man is in the house. Chill man be king. The chill man is in the house. He's happy. 
The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time! It's time for the lightning round. What is that? And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dead. Time for the lightning round. Can you run us over? Jacob in Florida. Jacob! Hi, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Thank you so much for everything you've done for young petitions, immigrant petitions like me. And you've helped me a lot. Thank you. So I have a question for you. Um... There is a, a company that is has is, is been majorly owned for head, by hedge funds and as well as uh, by partially by China. Mm-hmm. And now consider the big competition among the EV makers and the uh, the recent okay. uh, pressure that's been on the stock. So I would like your impression about MP. I've had MP on multi, uh, several times. I like them very much. The stock has had a very big move up. But I do think it is a terrific situation. Wait, are you kidding me? I need Lane in Michigan right now. Lane. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. Tonight. Lane, what's up? I'm calling to hear your feelings about my long-term holding of Duke Energy. Yields 4%. I like it. I am absolutely fine with it. And I must have gone over on another segment because it looks like it's the end of the... Uh-uh. No, I left, I left more time. And that's why we're going to take Oscar in California. Oscar. Hey, Jimmy Chill. I love your show. Chill man here. Uh, I'm calling. Yeah, I'm calling for um, HPE. I can't believe this this thing has come back and it's got new life. And I've got to tell you, I, exp- I like what's happening. At the same time, I'm going to tell you, it really already has happened. It's up 32%. Time to go. And that, legend, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, this company could be the one thing standing between you and the malicious threats that lurk in the shadows of a treacherous digital hunting ground. But it could also make you money. Kramer goes one-on-one with CrowdStrike. Next. After spending the better part of a month lost in the wilderness, some of our our favorite high-flying growth stocks have gotten their mojo back. Take CrowdStrike. That's that cloud-based cybersecurity coming it just bought a fabulous quarter uh, after the close with an amazingly quick run to $1 billion in sales. At the close tonight, the stock was down 22% from its highs, but it's now roaring in the after hours. Could it have more room to run? Let's take a closer look with George Kurtz. He's the co-founder and CEO of CrowdStrike and the man who called out Microsoft's systemic weaknesses in the Windows authentication architecture as a reason for the ease with which a threat actor was able to compromise our nation's security through the SolarWinds hack. Let's learn more about the quarter and this company's prospects. Mr. Kurtz, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to be here, Jim. George, first, congratulations. It's a very big deal to reach that billion-dollar mark. Very few people and companies have been able to do it fast enough. You did it, of course, the annual recurring revenues that I'm referring to. Uh, It looks like you did it with some very big customers, with the likes of Pfizer, one of the most important companies in the world right now, with the likes of Procter & Gamble. These are big marquee names. Why are you winning them? Well, Jim, uh, we're winning them because we've got the platform that works, that stops breaches. And more importantly, we've expanded even outside of security into some of these adjacencies. And that's what customers are looking for. They're looking for ease of use, scalability, lower cost, better efficacy, and the reduction of all these other agents. It's just too complicated in, in their environment, too much overhead. 
And plain and simple, they want technology that just works. So you now have 58 of the Fortune 100, and you've not been in business for 50, 60 years. I mean, this is a tremendous number for the short time that you've been running the company. It is, and we've certainly made our name in the enterprise market. We've got some of the largest financial services companies in the world, as as many other industries. But the beauty of the SaaS platform that we've built, Falcon, is that not only can it protect the largest enterprises, but it can protect the smallest SMBs. And the reality is these small customers, they don't have the expertise. They're still under attack. Ransomware is is, is, as bad as it's ever been, and we can provide industrial-level security to even small customers. And we've seen that with the acceleration in our customer growth. Have you been able to stop the pandas and the bears? You know, that's what we do every day. Our crowd strikers get up, they get out of bed, uh, and 24-7 we're focused on stopping the bad actors, whether it's a nation state bear or panda, or whether it's any number of e-crime groups and everything in between. And those are the names you use. Now, you gave some pretty controversial testimony in front of Congress where you basically said something that a lot of people told me behind the scenes and were unwilling to tell me on camera. And that is that there are some actual issues when it comes to Microsoft, uh, and specifically when it, when it came to the solar winds hack. Tell me why you're brave enough to go in front of Congress and tell what's, what everybody else says behind, behind my back and your, your back and everybody else's. But here it goes. Well, if somebody's going to ask my opinion, I'm going to give it to them. And I've been doing this for almost 30 years. I wrote a book on the topic, and it's just what we've seen. You know, these are technologies uh, that have had problems uh, for many years, and it comes around the authentication process. I highlighted, you know, some of these uh, authentication bypasses and directory problems. Um, When we do incident response, you know, the vast majority is on Microsoft technologies. We look at the the flaw in the exchange servers, over 250,000 customers impacted. You know, where are these break-ins happening? They're happening on Microsoft technologies and customers, they're looking for other ways to protect those systems uh, rather than just using Microsoft technologies. Well, I admit George should be confused. If I were to buy a car, 250,000 people buy a car and it gets hacked by one of the the bears. Uh, uh, If I were to buy a washing machine and it would break down like this, even if it had a great brand name. Well, I wouldn't tolerate it. Why are we only discovering this from you in front of Congress? Well, you know, I think it's one of those areas where maybe people don't like to talk about it or there's, you know, hand waving in the sector. But the reality is, uh, you know, you can try to do all the information sharing you want. If you have a problem in some of these core technologies, you have to get it fixed. And I think, you know, there isn't whether it's uh, us or Microsoft or anyone else. I mean, I think we're all trying to do the best for customers. Um, but if we have a problem, we've got to point it out. And, you know, we've made a business of being able to protect Microsoft technologies uh, because of what we've seen in the in the threat uh, landscape. Well, you know, we we had Kevin uh, Mannion on the other day uh, you know, from uh, Fire. One of the things he said to us is it's time to play tough. Uh, if you were with President Biden, would you not say, you know what? No more. We got to tell these guys we know who you are and we're coming after you if we see it again, because you do know who they are in your testimony, in all your documents. You even know exactly where they're coming from. Isn't it time we fight back? 
I, I do think there needs to be a, uh, a response which is communicated, you know, publicly as well as behind the scenes. And, and we do this now in the physical world, right? If there was an escalation, there are norms of how uh, the U.S. would react as an example. And there needs to be cyber norms um, so that you realize uh, or adversaries realize that there are costs, there are consequences if you're going to attack our infrastructure, our companies, our governments and undermine, uh, you know, our digital lives. And, you know, let the politicians uh, work on doing that. But it is important to set the ground rules uh, so that people know where they stand. You know, I'm going to leave it right there because you have become to me the authority because you're not owned by anybody. And it's really quite impressive. Fabulous numbers. Amazing growth. George Kurtz, congratulations. Thank you, Jim. Always a pleasure. It's a joy his conference call. This man tells the truth. George Kurtz, CEO of CrowdStrike. One of my favorites. I like Palo Alto, but boy, this one is a great one. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.